Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We want to welcome to the microphone City Councilman Chuck Nelson. Chuck, welcome back to the show. New title and everything. You know, I think the last time you were here, we were doing a very civil, very cool conversation about the community college. Now, you've called in during the campaign and so on, but remember you were sitting with John Whaley, and we had this really excellent conversation about the community college. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I, uh, I do remember that. I, I actually just wrote that in the uh, discussion board for my class that starts in two weeks. Oh, cool. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, and it's funny, I got so much great feedback on that particular program. And uh, just, it just really was emblematic of the kinds of conversations we want to have here. And now that we're downtown, we're in your space, you know, we've kind of entered, uh, you know, your realm in the the city here. And so it, it feels really good to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I think you got nice visibility up here. Mm-hmm. I don't have to drive nearly as far, and uh, you know, I, I, I almost texted you on my way in to like see if you needed me to pick up a coffee or a bubble tea or something. <laughs> I mean, like, there's all these options <laughs> that's, now. That's true. There's all kinds of options. Um, so, so okay, you navigated a, um, a campaign. When you when you run for city office, it's pretty much um, it's a done deal after the primary because it, it, the last time we had a Republican win uh, citywide office, I, I want to say it was the '90s. Yeah, yeah, it's been 30 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still um, I still did a fundraiser and some events uh, just to stay visible, um, and then. Th- you know, put me in a position so I could host stuff throughout my uh, time in office. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, it was a, it, it was an easy general election. No offense to you know Greg and Sean, but it was, a, right. it was an easy general election. And again, you, you know, you have a situation where there's so many more, um, you know, just just so many more people uh, that are registered Democrats. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, occurs to me is the type of Democrats that win races in Erie City. I mean, these are these are not necessarily AOC type Democrats. Oh, I mean, it's just a matter about where you build a base, uh, especially in something like uh, city council. So you, you can you can get some some pretty, pretty progressive, but they, they have to have a base that's out for them. You know, like okay. you can, you know, like, I mean, I think Jasmine's going to be on here afterwards. If you right. said that to her, she'd be very offended. Uh, oh, well, you know. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's, uh, but you know, the, 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 it's just a matter of where you build a base. And, and, and a lot of our voting block here is very, you know, it's very old. It's, it's, uh, um, sure. yeah. so, so they, they generally lend, you know, themselves to more of like a nineties Democrat, um, and with the brain kind of kind of like a Bill Clinton Democrat. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. I mean, the, the, if you were to m- a lot of them, you know, they're a lot more Bill Clinton than they are, you know, Mayor Pete or, mm. you know, uh, AOC on a spectrum. And, you know, that's yeah, it's an older population. When you when you decide to run for government and I'm going to I'm going to save like the governance questions for when Jasmine comes, you know, as far as like. You know, getting ready for uh, you know a meeting and interfacing with with the mayor and so on, right? Uh, but um, w- when you're running for for a city race, do you do you? I mean, how do you approach it? Do you approach it with like, I want to do some research. What's best practice out there? What are what are current urban trends? Blah blah blah. You know. That's how I do, but that's not necessarily a good way to go. If you want to win a seat on city council, I don't necessarily recommend doing that to win a seat. It, it's not something that, uh, to be honest, like, so I mean, I ran twice. The second time I ran, a lot of people were teasing me because I stopped bringing my binder with me of outlines of policies and ideas. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of that. You know, the second time I ran, it's, uh, you know, it wasn't a politicized thing, but I did a couple more things in the community because I had a little more time. 
Um, that's that's really the the difference uh, and ballot position. That was that's always a huge thing. But um, where were you on the ballot? The first time I ran, I was number eleven. Yeah. And this time I was number five. Okay. So nobody wins if they're not top six of the ballot. That's just in the last like twenty four years we've only had two, uh, and it's in my binder somewhere where I can explain that and show. That's really something. People are super lazy and uninformed. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember two years ago when Michael Keyes, he was number one on the ballot and that he was the the only newbie that won, right? Uh, the non-incumbent, non I think. Well, Ed was coming back on at yeah. that point, but he hadn't been on for uh, – But he was kind of a, a, a known name, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, what's the, the esprit de corps on the, on the council? How do you, I mean, you guys getting along? Yeah. Yeah, actually. And I mean, this is stuff you'll want to talk about when jazz gets yeah, on here. Cause, yeah. uh, cause that was actually, we, we had to have a, a new, uh, newly elected officials orientation and Mike missed it because of COVID two years ago. Okay. Um, or he couldn't make the one, you know, there was a thing and COVID mm -hmm. was a big part of it. Yeah. Um, so the four of us went down to state college. Oh, okay. So this is like a statewide thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we went down to state college and, um, you know, and we're not allowed to talk policy, you know, sunshine mm -hmm. law stuff. Uh, so we did, we didn't talk policy. We just like talked a lot about our lives. Uh, Mike slept a little bit. So there was a couple spots where it was like Mimo and jazz, uh, all, you know, chatting. And, but I mean, and then it, that was when we had that huge snowstorm on the Friday on the way back. So it took like an oh extra goodness. hour getting back. Yeah. So we just had like, I don't know, seven hours of getting in, to know each other. The vehicle. I oh. hadn't gotten to know Mo very well yet. Like that was mm -hmm. really fun. That's super, that's super cool. Coming from, a, you know, you know, faith and church background where you're used to these leadership retreats and, you know, going off to conferences and so on. Uh, I would imagine that you would perform pretty well in that kind of environment. Yeah, I make friends fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, the running for office, one of the things, you know, because I'm a wuss about, you know, I would never run because. I don't think I have the the stomach for the for the jabs, you know, for the 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 thick skin that you need, you know, when you're in the campaign mode. I mean, people slamming doors in front of you don't want to hear what you have to say. How did you do with that? I mean, that, that, you know, you talk about the ministry and the leadership conferences things. Like, I, I'm much more comfortable with that as in ministry contexts. You know, like the conversations that I have that you know involve. So you have pretty rigorous context uh, ministry conversations. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm. That could I'm be, can get you bloodied. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with doors being shut in my face. I'm fine with standing behind my convictions, and I'm fine with seeing yeah. progress. Wow. Wow. Uh, we, uh, we, we talked a, a little bit with them. Well, we've had the mayor on every month now for, for the three years that we've been on, and uh, it, it, it's interesting the, the progress where the city is going, even as different uh, initiatives have kind of come up. Um, but there had to be something there, like especially when you first decided to run and you didn't didn't win. Like, what was that impetus? Like, what was like? I there's a felt need that I see that's out there, and I could meet that need, or I could contribute positively towards that. Yeah, the the actual impetus, and I got a phone with a whole bunch of voicemails because I haven't been doing my other job as well today. Um, there's a guy that just got out of county today because uh, he's been in and out a bunch, and he was out on probation, and he got hit with uh, the loitering and panhandling uh, ordinance that had just passed. You know, they're just tacking this is on. a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, they're just tacking on anything they can. Um, so his PO uh, revoked his probation. You know, you think it's going to be like wow. a little hundred and fifty dollar charge, and it's actually three months in jail. Um, and so I was talking to someone about you know what we could do to address that, and they're like, well. You, you know, and this guy's coming to me, we're talking every Friday, and he's like, you know, can't you just fix this? Can't you just fix this? And at some point, I, I recognize that, like, I could probably get upstream of him and actually fix it. I'm not, I don't think I have the votes right now to fix it. I, you know, we're talking around and seeing where my votes are. I don't think I have the votes yet to fix it. Um, but, you know, it might be on the docket here soon that we might, you know, maybe I'll see if I can pull that ordinance back off the books. And it's been found un unconstitutional in a couple of different cities, so. It's a little bit of a challenge. So that, that's the impetus. And so, then, so you you come at it on a social service, uh, social justice point of view. Are, are others motivated by economic development or by power or by, you know, wanting to make a difference in neighbors' lives? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone has their 
their motivation of being in there. And, and that's the thing that got me off the sidelines. You know, I, th I think that when people watch my body of work in these next four years, I think they're going to see the economic development, the community development really being the forefront. Uh, even, even a, uh, a, like I'm even on my first year, I'm co-chairing the finance committee because uh, of a rigidness. You know, I'm, I'm I like numbers. I really wow. like numbers. Um, so I think that's what the general population is going to see. And that's what the voters are going to see, because uh, as much as I'll do the work for the homeless guys, uh, you know, there's there's a. Here, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll sure. give you one of the things um, before I took office. Mayor Schember, uh, there's a program up at right right between the MHA and the upper room that. Mm -hmm. um, that, that they hired homeless guys to to kind of patrol their their own right okay um, it reduced calls to that little area by like 78 percent that's you know a heavy concentration area so um, in my efforts as a upper room board member and you know ministering in that community we uh, we talk, we approached Schember and uh, you know his chief of staff and and they extended a grant so that those guys can now patrol a little bit further into the areas that we have trouble on State Street hmm. you know that reduces uh, police interaction that keeps streets cleaner it keeps people moving you know it's stuff like that that you, you're not going to see I'm not, it's not going to be the flag that I wave for re-election right but it's really it's the thing that actually is going to keep me in office it's the thing that's going to keep me from just not running again. What 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 are, what are they having them do? I mean, I mean, what what are those concierge? I mean, because they're calling them concierges in uh, in Perry Square. Hey, how how can I help you? You know, do you need any? any assistance and so on, right? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's what the Erie Downtown Partnership has right. that program expanded out. Yeah. And those guys are out there. They're documenting uh, and keeping details. I wasn't involved in that, but I, I right, you know, right. obviously love it. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a meeting with Dave and uh, uh, downtown Dave on that. That's any anyways. Um, th but I mean, I mean, like, again, this is this is you're you're trying to provide a solution to loitering. Yeah. But OK, but they're loitering for a reason. Yeah. It's either boredom or have no place to go or what, right? I mean, and if and if we're gonna go, you know, attack a summary charge on them, see them get revoked, they go into county. That's three months in counties, eight thousand dollar expense to the taxpayer. Sure. That's not real efficient. No, it isn't. No. So. So 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 what do they do? What how do where do they tell them to go? Like what 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 are the what's the solution side of that? Sure. That, so, that roaming around. Thing? The, the the staff on that particular program that Mayor Schember uh, brought on in December before I got in office yeah. um, is is that they work out of the upper room. That's a daytime warming okay. shelter. So right. there's a place to stay that they're out of the public. You know um, that they have safety there. That they have resource. They have mm -hmm. a. a, a, a social worker that comes in a couple hours a week and, and provides resources, you know, they bring them to the places that they have, you know, safe resources. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that brings better solutions than, you know, uh, every, every time a policeman goes out on a call, I mean, you got to realize, I mean, the, the average police officer in a year is a $200,000 a year personnel expense. Like if you want to start breaking that down to an hourly rate and then realize that when you call them into something, how expensive that is, and sure. you can solve it by giving a homeless guy or a formerly homeless guy $30,000 as a stipend, you know, like wow. that, that solves a problem way more effectively. And that's stuff that I want to be involved in in my time in office. Do you, have you done a lot of uh, work in the in the homeless space? Uh, I mean, I've been doing some reading, Chuck. I mean, as far as like, uh, you know, Rockford, Illinois has has net zero homelessness right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And you look at the policies. It's Utah is doing some awesome stuff. Like they're just. Yeah, they're great. Uh, hospitals in Atlanta are doing stuff um, because they realized that it was an increase to health expenses when these homeless sure. people are coming in all the time with, um, you know, there's there's a lot of places they're doing very innovative stuff to um, and, and it's honestly, it's a solvable solution. Now, that's not necessarily a city. It's a city problem, but it's not necessarily a city uh, budget item. You know, when you look at the right. economic development and human services, that's much more of the county perspective, mm -hmm. whereas the cities, you know, cities and municipalities are dealing with, you know, public safety and public works. I mean, that's sort of the division of labor. So the, the homeless issue, as far as creating real solutions to it, is is got to be coming from the county. Uh, I'm just going to address the safety problems of it in city that council. Makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Again, uh, public safety is the is the biggest line item on the city city budget. 
right? I mean, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the new police officers, when we have them for a full year, that'll bring us up to about 42.5% of the budget. So, um, Just for law enforcement or including no, uh, no, fire? No, 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 just for law enforcement. That'll bring us up to about the highest percentage of any municipality in the nation spent on, on public safety. Um, because of recent cuts in Oakland, which was at 44%, this with us at about 42.5%. Once the police have their full year, because right now we're up to, um, you know, up over 190 once we hire the new ones, but they're only getting partial years. So next year when we have the full force for the full year, if there's no other adjustments to the budget to increase other line items, then and everything else stays the same, that we're going to be up over 42%. As far as I can tell, I think that's going to be the most any, the highest percentage any municipality in the nation spends on their police. That's shocking. Yeah, Reading is growing at a much faster rate than us, and they're spending about 30-something percent. You know, Allentown and Reading, they're, they're right. both spending much lower percentages. Yeah, I guess I, I was thinking of other other areas, other municipalities that, you know, have uh, are over, you know, overrun with crime, you know? Yeah. No, we have the lowest crime rate in the tri-state area of New York, Ohio, and Pennsylvania of any city over 75,000. The Jefferson did a study of that with Joyce Savacchio, Dale McBriar, a few other people on it. It's, it's a couple years dated now, but, yeah. I mean, when you compare us to Reading and their growth, we had one-third of the murders that Reading had. Like, yeah. the crime here is not the deterrence. It's the economic issues. Sure. Well, and, and it, it, would, it would seem that, though— I mean, when you when you are walk you know walking around town and you don't even see a cruiser half the time, let alone anybody on a beat. Compare that to other cities that you visit, where there's a significant show of force by law enforcement in the, in the central business district. That seems to be a differential to me that that we're on a um, on a reactive basis as versus a proactive basis. Yeah, I got a, a little side hustle where I was doing some maintenance at some buildings, and uh, during that last snowstorm, I'll tell you, I saw a lot more police cars than I saw plow trucks. You know, <laughs> resources are chosen and budgeted for. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, we were talking to Chuck Nelson. He's on city council. Just uh, when were you sworn in? The third? Yeah, somewhere around Something here. like yeah. that, yeah. yeah. And so he's uh, he's diving full bore in. Chuck, we love Erie. We want to think the best of Erie. But sometimes it's, it's you know, there's just these frustrating things that um, that really kind of kind of bring us down and, and, and have us lose hope. In your, it, it, as you looked at, especially as you, like, are getting ready to run, how do you keep hope alive in that, I mean, because you don't have to have an answer for everything, but you've got to be willing to pursue hope and pursue positivity and solutions. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things for Erie, it, the status quo is so comfortable, you know, and, and to mm. see change, there's going to be conflict. Like, conf, you know, any change occurs as, as a result of conflict, and the status quo keeps, you know, is, is held by consensus. So that's really the, the thing that we're seeing in Erie is a consistent consensus to keep things from changing. And when you look, the changes are so easy and present. Like you could just point to all of these cities. And, and you know, I love pointing to Allentown and Redding because right. when you look through the 80s, we're all declining at 6, 7, 8 percent. We're all we're all neck and neck on who's going to get last first, you know. And then in the 90s, all of a sudden, like we can actually point to exact moments where they changed and we didn't and they changed their trajectory and we didn't. And then we won the race to last. You know, that's that's really that's really what we're seeing. So it was it doesn't take too much to just point to those and be like, hey, home rule charter land value tax here in Allentown and, and these little these little things that hopefully Chuck, we didn't even have electronic human resources. We didn't even have pay, a pay. We had paper pay stubs within the last decade still. Yeah, yeah. no, no, that's it's I mean, of status quo and consensus. You know, and and no there conflict. was somebody's job that had a, that was a payroll uh, clerk. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's it. And <laughs> I mean, these, these things though that the other cities took and changed with, we had on the docket. And then sometimes they even got voted up and vetoed. Like we had the discussions of these things. You give me a fun look, but um, wow. the land value tax was approved by a four-three vote and then vetoed in the early '90s. And Allentown implemented it just two 
two years later. And then that's where they saw their growth. You know, we wouldn't have to be talking about, you know, Lerda or a lot of these other aspects if it was a, if the buildings themselves were taxed at a fifth of the rate of land like they are in Allentown. Right. Wow. We want to welcome to the microphone Jasmine Flores. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for joining us here on the program. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You I'm got happy it. I was able to juggle it all yeah, around. Yeah, that, that was perfect, perfect timing. So, uh, you know, I've been kind of following you from afar, uh, you know, through uh, press reports and so on, but I don't really know much of your story. So would you, uh, we'd like to do origin stories here or a family show. You want to tell us how you came up and how you got involved in politics? Um, I'm born and raised here in the city of Erie. I'm half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. So my family migrated here and settled here. Um, okay. I was predominantly raised by my grandma, who's no longer with us. I'm and sorry. I grew up on Fifth and Wall. So okay. the house that I was raised in is no longer here. It's been knocked down. Um, so for me, um, getting involved in the politic dynamic was more because I was on the community activism part, and I was doing lots of organizing and networking, and I seen that a lot of the players at the table didn't care for the issues that we were even talking about or bringing to the forefront. So that just made me want to engage my generation of voters because we're not active, we're not involved, and it's because there's no one who looks like us talking to us about these issues that impact us. So for me, when I ran in 2019, I was 25, I had no name recognition, no networking, no nothing. It was from the ground up. And a lot of that transitioned into the 2021 election because of the pandemic. A lot of people didn't come out and do the normal um, eerie politics, I feel as though. Um, that's why, you know, the people who got Chuck and myself, well, Chuck and myself in, been paying attention since 2019, I feel as though, um, when we decided that we wanted to change some of the things that were going on and our communities were impacted by. So for me, it was just, I didn't see anybody doing it, so I decided to do it. I want more people to be involved and want to to show them that it is possible, even if you have a regular job, even if you have a family, even if you have many things going on, that if you care about your city and the people in it, that it's worth the dedication, I feel as though. I'm interested in knowing how do you get activated as an activist? I mean, where, when do you say, you know what, I don't like what I'm seeing here. And I might have a solution or I want to do something about it or I want to shine light on it. Um, I feel as though when the community is behind an issue and if they're bringing it and there's a large number, it's kind of hard to avoid what they're talking about and what they're trying to get corrected. Was there one issue that really lit your fire? Um, for me, um, it was I work with Erie County United, which is a grassroots organization, mm -hmm. and it was. CBA's community benefit agreements. Okay. We wanted to make sure that with the lurder that was going to be going on for the next 10 years, that something for the community that was here was going to be like a bargaining chip. And that was just making sure that we have family sustainable wages and jobs for our community if we're going to be giving you something in exchange. You know, so for me, it was just seeing that a lot of people were making decisions for the future of Erie that I feel as though they're not even asking the generation that's going to be taking over yeah. the city. Um, Did you get involved, or you might have been too young. I mean, I, I started going to events. Like, I started going to, uh, it was it, Erie 2040, you know, Emerge 2040 events and, and Erie Refocused events and just kind of listening to the conversations and maybe sometimes raising my hand. Did you feel like that was... Uh, and was, were those opportunities available to you, do you feel? For me, no, just because a lot of my work started in 2018. Okay, it's kind of so a little bit like later. New, All yeah, the plans yeah. were already formed. Yeah, everything, like, and that's a, that's a joke that I make to myself when they're making conversations and they're talking about policy. I'm like, oh, that's before my time. Before yeah. my time. Chuck, did you involve yourself in, like, Emerge 2040, uh, what was it called, the... Uh, whatever that used to be called and uh, also eerie refocused at all. Yeah. I'm the, I'm in the West Bayfront neighborhood. So we had gone through a focus plan for that neighborhood that I had been involved in. I'd made sure I was going to meetings and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I'd read all the other ones just out of curiosity. Um, so there was, there was enough of a context where I was able to like, even before I considered running, I could have, you know, rattled off what the, you know, the three headed, the different things that we were facing mm -hmm. and right sizing and the different issues that the city had to 
address. But did you feel that that maybe that tier of leadership was impenetrable? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I just felt like as a person who's been here for the last 28 going on 29 years of my life, I've seen the same players making the same decisions over and over and we're not getting anywhere. So for me, it's like we're trying to fix a problem, but we don't really care about the solution. We want our solution. And if our solution doesn't work, we're going to try to find a way for our solution to work. And then when we have a problem with how our solution is working, well, you know, we'll do a new study. We'll do something new. We'll figure something out on why it's not working. But we know why it's not working. It's just nobody wants to actually you know, do the work, I feel as though um, people just, you know, shrug their shoulders. Things are the way that they are. Right. And that's just. And, that, and that's how we've kind of navigated decline for 60 years. Yeah. My entire life, Jasmine. <laughs> uh, I got to ask you about CBAs. Is, is, have any of those come to fruition? Um, honestly, not how we would had want to them to, especially not from Erie County United. Um, there has been lingo and people using the words and claiming one thing um, to try to water down what a real CBA community benefit agreement is. Um, I don't have the exacts on which groups, but there are groups currently who all have been at the table this whole time who will pick and choose little things to say to like try to make it seem as though they're doing what we're asking. But generally speaking, um, community benefit agreements would make sure that the community of Erie, who's living here, working here, uh, spending our money here and pretty much stuck here is how I feel because the ones who, you know, can leave yeah. have left. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, making sure that the people who are holding the city up are taken care of um, and making sure that they may, might get priority for jobs or making sure that we're at least making sure the development that's coming in is family sustainable because I'm so sick of minimum wage. Well, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's one of the things when I when I, I wanted to kind of learn a little bit about community benefit agreements, my problem that I had uh, was I couldn't find examples of them really flourishing in any significant way in most cities of our size or of our, you know, I mean, just, I, I'm not, I'm not sure we, we have, because my, the, the, the thing that you, that you guys run up against, I'm sure both of you, is that Erie wants to be shown that something can work before we're willing to try something. We, we, we're more of like uh, the Missouri, we're, you know, the show me state, yeah. and, and we have these conversations all the time. You know, we're not, we're not early adopters of nearly anything. Right. And so, when, when, you know, with this idea of a CBA, I literally was looking into it. And I'm like, I can't find where anybody is like really going for it. Like, right. like you're describing. Right. And it's like, it's something new that people have just started doing within maybe the last five years or so. So it's like the data is not there and, you know, people are just starting to put pressure on development and okay. seeing how much is being stripped away from the areas that are there. So for me, it's just like, it's all learning and growing sure. pains. And like you said, nobody who's from an older generation wants to take a risk that mm-hmm. they're not comfortable mm-hmm. with. And they just don't see the potential. Um, when you're a young person and you have scraps given to you, you see nothing but potential for different opportunities. So I just feel like it's just different backgrounds and perspectives that you know we get to now have at the table. I'm I'm interested for both of you to answer this uh, as you were running and as you won. Have you seen any of those glass ceilings that you've kind of hit up against insofar as uh, the the establishment, the infrastructure of the the, of the power structure here in Erie? Because I guess I've noticed that there are kingmakers or there tend to be here. This is not freewheeling. Uh, would you uh, disagree with me, Chuck? Or I think when you look at the eight people that were on the ballot this time, that there was not much room for me to have the same ceilings as the prior time. The prior time, like you, there was neighbors' names, and and even if they weren't names that like you're familiar with for the prior offices, there was a couple skis at the end and stuff like that where where you expect it. And then this time, the eight people on the ballot, like there wasn't. Like Liz was the only name on the ballot. Yeah, like, right. So, so the people that I believe that used their, you know, their three spots the previous election, and I was no way going to break into those three. I think when they looked at the eight, that me 
as, as a pretty basic dude, uh, had a lot easier of a time of being, you know, getting Kingmaker type of support. Weigh in on that, or we can move forward. <laughs> Her experience is going to be very different. Yeah, <laughs> for me, um, I'm still pretty much grassroots and okay. from the ground up. I believe that the people have the power, and when there's more of us, then things can balance itself out. So for me, um, I was able to do complete grassroots fundraising. I was able to raise um, all my campaign funds through d small donations. Um, I didn't accept wow. more than $100 from a person because I feel as though if you give more than 100 then people feel as though you owe them something. Sure. And I don't want to yeah. owe anybody anything. I'm doing this so that my community can be heard. The issues that we care about can be um, at the table and make sure that it's valid, our experiences that we're currently going through here in the city trying to make a way for ourselves. Um, we hear the word brain drain and that young people keep leaving and nobody wants to stay here and raise a family, but at the same time, there's nothing here for us. I feel as though people say that there is opportunities, but those opportunities are limited. Like you said, that glass ceiling that has been there. Um, if you don't have the names or the people in the right places or the mm. education, you're pretty limited. I didn't have the opportunity to go to college. I went to Great Lakes Institute of Technology and graduated as a medical assistant. And I worked as a medical assistant for Dr. Tomasi and Dr. Olson at Bay City Associates of Podiatry for a year. And then I did personal care. And I've just been, you know, all over the place. A shift supervisor at Panera Bread, worked at the McDonald's on Fifth and State up and, you know, all throughout high school. So it's just like my experiences are a lot common for the regular person in the city of Erie. Up until 2020, I was a regular bus rider. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not know. thinking that folks like you that yeah. did the, these, what they called essential jobs during mm -hmm. the pandemic, have held office. Exactly, and I'm currently the only renter who's sitting on city yeah. council. And I am the first Latina ever elected and the youngest at 28, currently sitting at 28 for four mm -hmm. months I'll be serving. Um, and I grew up on the Lower East Side. I live on the Lower East Side, so it's like I'm the first Lower East Side City Council person in, I think, over 20 years. I was going to say, what ward is that? Uh, That's first ward? Well, or, I'm in the third, what is it? What would second, it be? Second ward? Okay. Third ward, something like I, that. I always get them all mixed weird. up. Yeah. They break them down. So <laughs> We're going to talk about that. That's, that's, a, that's on the agenda. Let's jump to governance here. And again, uh, Chuck, you were just saying that uh, three uh, of the newly elected council uh, members are like brand new. Uh, many, uh, many of you have never, or any of you have never held any other public office, not school district or other situations. Democratic committee members, Jazz. Okay, okay. So you're on on but, that, but yeah. but as far as to the public goes. When they checked your your box and they filled in that hole, that number, that uh, oval, if you will, uh, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Officially, yes. Public officials. And so, how's the how's the vibe with the the, the you know the long termers? Because you have you know people like well Mel and uh, you know Liz has been on this is her second term but uh, there's some there's some folks that have been been around for a while are, are things going you know I mean are you able to communicate pretty well? I mean I feel as though a lot of people realize that I'm not going away so okay. now it's we're so happy you're here and we're just happy young people are stepping up and in the room so it's kind of ironic because. In 2019, it was like you can just tell that they don't want to hear anything mm -hmm. that's coming from well, and, me. And it wasn't well, and and there there was some pretty uh, not civil conversations as recently as last year on the Zoom calls in council. Right. And so I think a lot of citizens. I'm a citizen. I'm I'm concerned about how communication is going at the council level, just on a on a basic level of working together. I mean, we haven't had any problems. I feel like we're all handling and working our own corners. Okay. And, you know, we bring our information back and we have, we only have two meetings a month. And if we have time, we're going to different, you know, meetings and authorities and committees and study sessions. So it's just like, 
depending on where people are in their regular jobs and their regular lives, it kind of just blends to where Chuck is really available during the day. I have Wednesdays completely off, so if it's a Wednesday meeting, I can probably go to it. And um, it's just been balancing out. We went to a newly elected training, um, Michael Keyes and Chuck Nelson, Mo Troop, and myself. So we all really got to know each other as far as like why we all decided to run for office, what issues do we care about enough to make us you know, advocate and also gather enough support in the community to actually get things done. Um, so for me, I think that things are going well. Um, just for the simple fact is we're stuck together for four years. Yeah, right. You know, I, I think so. I mean, you're, you see some of the conflict that's happened the last couple of years in city council. And really, like the first vote we take every year is on who the president is. Sure. So the previous two years, it was four, three. You know, I mean, like there was split. There elections. was really. Yeah. yeah. This year was seven, nothing. This year it was seven nothing to have Liz Allen as president. So we all, yeah. you know, I, I think that there was a certain tone set with that that we're all going to be working together, mm -hmm. um, or actually not even that we're all going to work together. We're all going to work individually so that if there's a vote and it's a four three vote, I don't know who f which four are coming together on it this year. Mm -hmm. And in previous years, I knew which four. Um, you know, I was talking to someone about a vote that was coming in. They're like, oh, that's some pretty interesting bedfellows. And I was like, can you name four people on council that wouldn't be interesting bedfellows? And they're like, oh, no. No, I can't. You know, that's that's the difference. Sure. So it it, it would beg the question then or, that we would have a new tone on council as opposed to, uh, I mean, again, and I, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember the three amigos and, and you know some of the some of the the narrative that has been carried through, you know, decades of governance at council. And so what we're saying what we're saying is, hey, it's a new day. I mean, we haven't seen any disrespect, so let's hope that it continues. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, honestly, Liz holds, you know, the position of president pretty well. I feel as though she's so structured mm -hmm. that when we come in, we have work to get to. Like, there's so much going on that half of the time we don't even have time to check our email in a day to see what all happened at City Hall in the day for us gotcha. to be in tune with everything. And she's pretty great at like putting everything into one neat little document so we can read it and know what's going on so we're not completely blindsided which I love because I can just imagine how that wouldn't be the structure yeah if it wasn't a 70 vote when the president came to be um I just feel like you know like I said for four of us we're there for the next 4 years and for you know certain individuals if you decide to run that's your choice and the community will remember um people have been on their devices for the last three years pretty regularly and you can pull up old videos and you can go back and people right. have made memes so it's just like <laughs> they made memes things that are out there are it's out, out of there. eerie city council go figure right that's oh, amazing for some of the listeners memes are a thing on social media <laughs> oh, come on now i have hipsters as listeners <laughs> hey I, uh, somebody uh, reminded us that uh, city councilman jim thompson lived and owned his business on the Lower East Side, his last year as council was 12 years ago, though 2010. So that you know that kind of tells you, you know, the heritage of of that that kind of representing all neighborhoods in and how important it is. Let's talk about um, communication, and uh, you know, uh, we were off mic. We were saying about uh, how there is a system in communicating between the mayor and council. Um, what do you hope that you could see in that executive branch and legislative branch uh, getting better with communication, Jasmine? I mean, I mean, I honestly feel like anything that city council is getting is rushed. I feel as though um, we get the agenda the Friday before Wednesday. Okay. So the Friday before our meeting. And most things are being sent to us depending on when. Isn't there coming. a study session before that agenda comes, though? Or no? Not before the agenda, no. Okay. So you study it, then you create an agenda, then you, you're supposed to have an initial vote? Well, the agenda comes to us to let us know what our meeting is going to be about. Okay. So we don't even hardly know what the meeting's going to be about until that Friday before our meeting. Okay. So it's like maybe if we got our information a little bit sooner, we would know. Uh, lots of people are putting, sending us lots of different things. So we have our Kelsey, what is she, our secretary, our clerk? Uh, legislative aid legislative aid <laughs> so she's sending us everything that 
this mayor and every like committee and board and authority is sending us or even community members want to send to us. So we're getting all kinds of things emailed to us throughout a day. Okay. So there's no rhyme and reason on what we're getting. And there's no rhyme and reason when, if you're checking your mail, your email every day, because most people are, you know, working a nine to five or yeah. something similar. Um, so it's just the information that we're getting, we're not, like, I don't know if it needs to be better, more transparent. Well, who shepherds manner. the agenda? Is that something that Liz will yeah. work out with the administration, mm -hmm. though? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's the president and the administration. And the administration that come up with, okay, this is, the, this is what this twice a month agenda is going to be. And, again, the, the meetings are in the morning once, one week, and then in the evening the second time, right? Mm -hmm. So... So, so communication could be a little better. Sounds like Jasmine. A whole lot better. Communication is key in everything I've ever Absolutely. done in life. Um, as a 28 year old, if you don't have communication skills, you are going to be lost in the sauce. Um, so for me, it's just even to see uh, people who've been doing certain jobs and certain positions for so long, not be able to communicate blows my mind. Cause I'm like, things could be so much better if we just communicated with each other. If we just had a nice, neat, organized way or structure on how we did things every time so that it made sense. Um, for me, I just want to be able to do as much as I can in the four years that I'm here. Yeah. And we, I feel as though time is wasted on some stuff. You know, so this I, is, I, this well, is, I was going to ask you, you probably have things, both of you have things that you want to get on the agenda. How easy is that for you? You, you have to talk to, you just talk to Liz and she can put it on right now. I mean, we're, we're on door, you know, we haven't had that many meetings yet, so I don't have anything I want to put on the agenda right okay. now. I, uh, I've been spending a lot. I spent a couple hours with uh, public works yesterday, met with the city controller, met with finance and ARP on Friday. You know, like I'm meeting with people so that I was told not to do anything my first year except for learn and that I have no interest in uh, waiting that long. So I'm just trying to <laughs> cram in a year's worth of work in these three months so that I could hit the ground quickly. Um, but well, uh, can I ask you about, public? I, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but you know, we just had a uh, the first the biggest storm in four years yeah. between uh, y you know. So here's so like I, I I feel like what's the report card from council on the administrative work uh, in public works? Yeah. So when we look at the public works department, the street team, uh, the the entire budget for the streets department is five million. I mean, that's that's the amount that it's going to cost us to add 23 new cops in the Schember administration. Like, it's the same amount to cover our streets. And we've got a lot of potholes. We've got a lot of plow needs. Now, one of the things about it is that we, we bring a lot of CDL drivers into different departments. So they just moved compost, for example, out of, you know, like uh, refuse and out of, uh, it was, you know, it's moved around different departments into the streets department so that they can just go grab those guys out of the compost department, throw them in plow trucks and hit the roads. When we got that big street, a few years ago, the Christmas Eve uh, storm, they were pulling guys out of the sewer bureau. Anyone that had a CDL got but, in a truck. See, and drove. that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, like yeah. that—that's flex. I mean, again, in any other context, you have flex work where your supervisor can say, "You know what, uh, Jasmine, we need you over here." You know, we're going on a field trip, right? We need you to go on the field trip, right? I mean, honestly, yeah. that's yeah. it's very similar. Uh, and I know these are union jobs, and there's probably work rules and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But to the, me, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the our streets department, and and you know, I spent a lot of time with them since those storms. Um, they're they're optimized first to knock six inches out really quickly, but when we get 18 inches, it does overwhelm the system. Um, and ideally, like as a city like Erie, you should expect to get 18 inches every you know, two or three times a year. Like it's something that's going to happen, mm -hmm. but the resources that go into being able to like optimize at 18 inches is, is, uh, is more than what, you know, city council has been willing to vote on for a budget more than what the administration has been willing to propose. I, I, I think, and again, I don't want to harp on, on public works, but again, it is what, is what will, people will call you guys in the middle of the night for. They haven't touched my street in a week. It, it's It's really not about the 24-hour or 48-hour cycle after a storm. It's literally the three weeks later, and you're still you're you're still like uh, uh, incredulous at how 
uh, certain areas have not been touched in. And Jasmine, unfortunately, I think in some of that neighborhood in the Lower East Side doesn't get touched. Yeah, that's very true. Um, as a someone, I lived on East 9th Street, so it was a one way. So that street hardly ever had much plow success due to people parking on the streets and the one way. And it was just, it was, it's always a disaster. On um, any one way street, if they have two sides parking, the plows say they can't get through and that's where they leave it at and that's just it. Um, people on the Lower East Side, I don't know why, but they just don't shovel. They don't care to. Um, I mean, most people are renters and they feel as though, why should I? I don't really care. Like, it, I feel for our postal service workers. Oh like, my. I see my postal service worker, he has a brace on his leg and he will bring my packages up my stairs. And I tell him every time, please don't. I will get my package. And he's like, nope, I'm going to bring it up every time. And I'm like, okay, well, you bring it up. But I always think of him when it's snowing and we don't have a system. Like, I feel as though the public sidewalk should be maintenance by the city. I feel like that would be some type of work that we could give our community. I feel like it would be taken care of. Our aging population yeah. would be able to get around. That's the huge, the, the 85-year-old lady what what do you expect her to do like i mean we have had homeowners who have been holding our city up for 40 plus years and in their old age we can't even give them snow service like i don't know it's just it's just very insulting we had we actually had the conversation not not that long ago of we have summer jams why not have winter jams and pay kids you know 10 bucks an hour to go out with shovels and snow blowers and blow into the the inner the inner city where it's really tough i made the i made the argument in council a couple of weeks ago that there's three things that we look at in that there's commuters there's resident there's commuter ways there's residential ways and then there's pedestrian ways and that the city has to make priorities on that so we make a very clear priority on the commuter ways the roads that the commuters come in on are the number one priority residential ways are secondary priority so on that big snowstorm the commuter ways were clear on friday the resident or saturday the residential ways were clear on monday and the pedestrian ways i, I hope it melted enough to get the that corner house on my neighbor, you know, the pedestrian ways aren't addressed. And we ask the, the residents to bring shovels to take care of that. So I made the joke, uh, I think I think everyone understood it was a joke, that we need to flip that priority and we need to provide snow care for the pedestrians first, residential second, and ask the commuters to bring shovels. It, it's And the reason being, and again, I won't harp on this, but, you know, after that big storm, you know, the, the, the school was back open. I have this little kid going up to Jefferson uh, Elementary, walking in on Holland Street, and I'm I'm pulling up with my truck, and I barely saw her because of the massive snow mounds on the corners. It's just not cool. And and uh, you know, we talked to United Way; they're doing that beautiful you know walking um, school bus thing. I mean, our our you know somebody's gonna get hurt. Mm -hmm. If mean, we don't fix it happened this. last month. I mean, a, a child walking. Yeah. That's past exactly last right. Month. That's right. That's I right. mean, what did we expect to happen when we had our schools closed down and the kids have farther distances to get to and from? And then, like, we don't prioritize pedestrian access. We don't go after the businesses and organizations that can you know, shovel and maintenance their property so that at least they are being held to a higher standard and then maybe the residents will step in line as well because it's like, okay, they're getting fined. Okay, they're going after them. Like, people here don't do anything because they already know that nothing's going to change and nothing's going to happen. That's a horrible narrative to have. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like, I just see people park in front of stop signs. I see people, like, you'll see no parking on streets and people will do it anyways. And it's like, it's kind of because they feel as though nothing's going to happen, and chances are it's not going to because there's an excuse for well, so somewhere down we the had, line. We had college students uh, yeah. up uh, on Briggs who... who we're counting on nothing happening. Yeah. Now, the police department and public works did a joint they issue did, yes. last week with 200 cars towed. Exactly. So, I mean, they're, they're, and this was the first time But, I mean, it, it, you know, that was that took TV cameras and daily complaining. And and that was two weeks after. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not. No, no, but, no, but that's I, the first time so, ever. So, so he highlights the, the, you know, this is why nothing gets done. So, so okay. So, the uh, but, again, now authority has been entrusted in you all. 
what does it feel like to have to say, you know what, I'm going to find out why, you know, I, you know, I'm not in the truck, but I'm going to find out why this, you know, how we can fix this or what is the solution? A couple things. First, they will let us in the trucks. They, they invited us to be in the trucks. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Um, I spent yesterday at the garage checking out the trucks. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that this is a, in our, in our city charter, this is a, a strong mayor council. Like we get to be in a, a voice that's a little louder than the residents. But uh, we, that's all we are on that. We have we can we have the purse strings, and we have the, uh, some seats on the authorities' vote. That's our power. So when it's when it comes a matter of like, do we put a priority on pedestrian ways over commuter ways? Well, I mean, I can make a resolution. They've ignored resolutions before. I can make an ordinance. Uh, you should see how our recycling ordinance is implemented. It's not. You mm -hmm. know, like there's there's plenty that it still comes back to the strong mayor council form and the executive branch to execute what we ask for and and that that's not always the case let's talk about public safety again another huge prominent issue uh, was just two weeks ago two teenagers getting shot one on the east side one on the west side the 13 year old got shot in the face um uh, and it, and it almost feels like you know that basically we, we have rampant you know, gun violence on our streets. Again, what can council, how, what kind of value can council bring to that kind of situation? I mean, for a 28 year old who has been here in Erie all my life and I've seen what's not working, we need to invest in our youth and we need to start early. Um, us having additional police after the problems are already here is not going to fix the problems. Right now, we've had three years of pandemic, which have highlighted and amplified a lot of mental health problems that our community has had for generations. We just haven't actually addressed those issues. Um, so for me, it's just like, you know, the systemic problems are showing themselves. And we've had a, a lot of young people lost to the streets due to not having any other means. Now, I'm not saying it's an, it's an excuse, but I'm also saying that we're not giving the young people other opportunities. Um, I don't see us investing in our youth, how we're investing in wanting to add new police officers. The police that we already have have not been helping the problem. I, as a what lower, about, though, the PAL? What about Sergeant Lennox? I mean, I, when we talked to when we talked to the mayor, I mean, he, you know, he talks about how this uh, strengthening police and community partnerships yeah. is really uh, paying dividends. Let's, let's let's talk. So we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? I mean, yeah. so so let's let's talk about the the ARP money. We're using public health uh, designation on increasing the police force. So let's talk about public health. If we were to look at this pandemic and say, wow, we've got a million people dying. We need to train a whole bunch more mortuaries. That would be a backward way to do this. We're looking at preventative measures if we want to see gun violence go down. Police are a responsive measure. That's mortuaries. The people we need are preventative measures. That's why they have masks, masks and vaccines for this pandemic. If the public health crisis is gun violence, the preventative measures are there are community centers. Our preventative measures are, you know, like a broken window theory. When people are walking down the middle of the street because it's not plowed and the sidewalks aren't taken care of and there's potholes everywhere and the, and the code enforcement is leaving vacant properties and it's not being resourced, that's, you know, broken theory, you know, broken window theory. They found a 20% crime increase when those things weren't addressed. You, you want to talk about what actually addresses this gun violence. Now, let me also point out that a city like Reading with very comparable numbers has had three times as many murders as us. And they're a growing city that has increasing economic activity as opposed to our continued decline and economic decline. So this isn't, this isn't, uh, the, the numbers that we have are reasonable for a city our size. They're actually safe for a city our size. There's, there's not a personal threat on this. Like, we are doing pretty darn well, and we could always do better. So let's but, do more preventative measures. But we measures. have teenagers that are feeling like they can, with abandon, just shoot up each other. Yeah, yeah. Schools being out and the lack of activities. I mean, we saw this. It's uh, the... The final rule, uh, I think they said a 76% increase. I, it's page 56 of the final rule. I can't remember the number of the stat, though. But it's a, it's a huge increase in gun violence across the nation yeah. as schools have shut down. As, as, you know, like the Martin Luther King Center, I was coaching wrestler last 
last couple of years, they just reopened the wrestling practice. Mm-hmm. All of my teenagers, none of them came back. We're restarting with an entire novice team. Like we lost a lot of kids from activities by taking a year off on things. And yeah, we're seeing more violence from that. That gets solved by reintroducing them to those activities and those preventative measures. I, you know, I challenge, I challenge the mayor every month. How can you take the, the, the basketball rims down in the middle of 2020? That, I mean, that, I mean but again, we that's, didn't, we that's didn't a more know, dangerous but, thing for gun violence than, than, you know, as much of any, but we didn't know, you know, the, the nature of the pandemic. We didn't know how much, how the virus would spread in, in, but it took until 2021 for those hoops to go back up and it was deep into, uh, you know, deep into the year. And so, all right, I, I we've got to, I always have to finish on solution sides here. So um, you can't you can't solve everything of, of, a, of, a, of a city that was has been in decline for 60 years all in, in one fell swoop. If I, if you had one objective, Jasmine, I'll start with you. What are you what are you going to kind of lean in on? Are you going to stay with y- your committee uh, assignments and see how you can add value that way? Well, I'm learning my committee assignments, but I'm also networking to meet with the other committees and and authorities just because the assignments can change next year and then the following year. So I just want to be in working relationship with all people who are, you know, currently sitting on boards and authorities. For me, um, the community of Erie needs more equity. So anything that we could do to actually get equity to the people, I feel like, that's going to be the only way we're actually able to uplift our community. We have a lot of people who are working these low-wage jobs who are overworked and underpaid. Um, we have a lot of single mothers who are working and aren't able to watch after their kids. We have older siblings who should be watching their si- not should be, but they are required to watch their, their siblings, and they don't really feel as though they should. Mm-hmm. So the kids go unattended, and then they get in trouble. And just it's a ripple effect, and it's been generational. So for me, it's like unless we actually address these problems and say, okay, we're going to start from the ground up, nothing is going to change. The murders are going to continue. The kids are going to get younger. The crime is going to continue. The drug problem is going to continue. It's just like all these issues that people use to cover up, you know, the gunshot wound are going to continue. So just making sure that equity is back in the community of Erie, I feel as though would change a lot of the chip on our shoulder, a lot of the... It doesn't matter. A lot of the we're not worth the effort. So why even try? I feel as though is a conversation I have with a lot of people. So any any green. Sh- I mean, that's pretty bleak. Any green shoots. I mean, like the, does the community college give you hope? Does some of these ARP investments that you're seeing coming down this, the pike with the DEI commission and so on? I mean, is that is that at all in the right direction, Jasmine? I mean, I see the same people with their hands out. So for me, it's just, you know, unless more people who are affected and who, who have a story to tell are actually tired of what's going on, get involved, it's going to just continue on until time is on our side um, is, you know, something that I tell people. They're either going to step in line or they're going to run out of time. Yeah. So, you know, we just got to do what we can do in all rooms that we are in. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, you might not be able to do a lot in your little neighborhood, but it is a lot, you know, cleaning up, getting the kids together, making sure that the kids know that at least you're a safe adult in the neighborhood that you can talk to. Like a lot of the kids will see me out and about cleaning. And they're like, why are you cleaning? I'm like, because this is mother earth. And if we don't take care of it, no one will. Mm-hmm. And they just look at me and it's like, you know, I'm on the lower East side and a lot of kids don't even care. They will literally throw their garbage in my yard. And I'm like, you know, I have a trash bag here, put it in the bag and then they'll grab it and they'll put it in the bag. And then they're like, you know, so it's just like having that conversation. I feel as though people don't do. And it's like, we lost having neighbors. We lost looking out for each other. And it's like, we need to get back there because I don't want to continue to see young people shooting each other in the back or in the face or, you know, someone sitting on their porch and they're holding their child and there's a shot, you know? So it's just like, you know, you don't even feel safe outside anymore. And that's got to change. Um, and I think that, you know, if we became more of a community and less of a me and mine, it would definitely change things. Um, so I'm just doing what I can from the ground up and I'm hoping more people step in line because honestly, it's too much work for one person and I'm not doing it on my own. There's people in all areas of the city doing their own little 
pockets of work. So. And, and you have one voice of seven yeah. on, on, a, on, a uh, on a legislature that can make tangible change. Chuck, uh, weigh in on this. What are you going to lean in on? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you seem to have a, uh, I mean, just like Jasmine, you seem to have a, a focus on, on where, where tangible change can yeah, happen. Yeah, no, we're, we're in the midst of the greatest opportunity the city's had in a long time. I mean, EDDC coming in with $100 million of private investment yeah. uh, that they planned five years ago, you know, that happened to launch at this time. And it, as it happens to launch, we also get $90 million in that water deal of prepayments for money that would be due 40 years from now. Uh, and then we also get in the midst of that the ARP money. So we're seeing $100 million in investment, $160 six million in city funds and all of that happening at the same time if we can't build momentum off of this now the the guarantee is that we that we have to have some you know how much of that momentum carries because by 2026 the city had been projected at about an 8.6 million dollar deficit yeah. when the water money was uh you know expended uh when the arp money was over and then with the new police officers that puts us at about 13 million dollar deficit at 2026 do we have a plan for how to pay for the police officers after there's, arp so there's two plans in place one of them okay. is uh to just not replace cops as they retire so that we're in the same place we are today and that we just had three years with extra cops and that everything okay. returns to the same thing and the other plan is that we grow enough to afford them um, now, probably going to end up be well, not to be negative, but it's probably going to be a little bit of both, I would think. Yeah. So, I mean, if the plan is to start something that we don't think we could keep going in three years, I become less enthusiastic. But, um, you know, the other spots of ARP money being invested, I mean, there's still another 62 million to be invested. Okay. And that 62 million coming from the city is being invested in economic development. It's being invested in parks, which is going to help our home values. It's going to help our, our standard of living. You know, like the areas where it's not being wasted, like I think we have some potential to have some growth. Pair that with the resources coming in for the boost we get on the water, the 15 million that was set aside mm -hmm. to help us make budget for these couple years. And the private investment that's outside of the Erie City government's control that's happening in the midst of downtown like if I mean you know even a turkey flies with enough wind like I, I hope that I hope that we keep this thing going a little ways I, I gotta leave it there I you know we we, we want you to come back because we got to talk about blight which is on your committee we've got to talk about the right sideness and affordable housing honestly um, you know, uh, there, there are a multitude of issues of, it's not just Erie, it's, right. it's cities our size. We're not Philly, we're not Pittsburgh. And, um, but I really, really appreciate both of you coming on and uh, sharing from your uh, learned experience. Hope, hope we didn't get you in any, any trouble, um, but uh, I, I appreciate your candor. I mean, it was just a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Jasmine Flores and Chuck Nelson. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.